Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors. Hello and welcome to this October edition of First Look ETF. I'm Stephanie Stanton. It is great to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, a pair of new income ETFs with a quantitative flair, plus a fund that uses a unique rebalancing formula to help investors take a more disciplined approach to their portfolios, and an ETF that highlights alternative assets for those looking to diversify their bond and equity exposure. But first, as always, let's get a quick recap of some of the newest ETF launches on the New York Stock Exchange. Joining us, as always, is Douglas Jonas with the NYSE. Hi, Doug. It's so great to have you with us. As always, thank you for having me here. You know, the the first uh, quarter was a very busy one at the New York Stock Exchange. Here we are now closing out the third quarter and and the story hasn't changed. In September alone, we saw 67 ETFs launch in our industry, raising $8.8 billion in assets under management. So again, a tremendous month. Obviously, there is a lot happening in the ETF marketplace. I mean, it is on fire. Are there any other important trends that have caught your attention? Yeah, you know, we talked about this in the first few episodes, but there has been three very consistent themes we're seeing throughout the year. The first is around demand. ETF demand has been off the charts, both in terms of issuance from uh, the asset managers, but more important from investors. If I look just in the third quarter alone, 138 ETFs have launched, raising over $9 billion, but it's not just the new launches. Across the whole industry, $176 billion in cash flow in the third quarter alone. So really tremendous demand. The second is active management. We just launched our 200th active ETF this year. So again, active continues to remain strong. In September, almost half of all launches were actively managed ETFs. And the third trend, the one that we've got, we have to keep our eye on is this mutual fund ETF conversion. Once considered the holy grail of ETF world, is no longer. We actually have done 10 conversions here at the New York Stock Exchange, three in the last month, and they have raised over $36 billion in assets under management. So a trend to watch, a trend to continue, and one we're really excited about here at the New York Stock Exchange. All right. Good stuff. Douglas Jonas, thanks so much for joining us. All right. Now, a quick reminder that we simulcast First Look ETF on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and other major podcasting platforms. So make sure you check us out there. 
Extreme fluctuations in financial markets make it harder than ever to stay disciplined. Well, investing great Benjamin Graham once observed the investor's worst enemy is likely to be him or herself. Well, joining us to talk about the problem and offer a potential solution is Colin Roche, the founder and chief investment officer of the Discipline Funds. He's also the creator of the blog Pragmatic Capitalist, which is a great read, by the way. Thank you so much for joining us, Colin. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. All right. So we are seeing more volatility coming into the markets. There is so much uncertainty in the world today. I think all of us could benefit from a more disciplined approach to investing in finances. So let's talk a little bit more about your brand new ETF, the Discipline Fund, ticker DSCF. Why did you guys decide that now was a good time to launch this? Yeah, so there's so much craziness going on and so many undisciplined things going on in the financial world these days that we felt that now was a particularly good time to bring an ETF like this to market. And the problem that we're particularly trying to solve is the problem of staying the course and the behavioral biases that all investors are exposed to through the market cycle. And what the discipline fund specifically tries to resolve is the problem in low cost indexing funds where a typical balanced index fund, for instance, like a 50-50 stock bond index fund, actually has very different varying degrees of exposure to downside risk across time. And in particular, that's due to the fact that the equity piece will substantially outperform the bond piece. And so what happens across time, for instance, is the 50-50 piece will grow into, say, 60-40 or 70-30, and your standard index fund will just, in a static way, rebalance back to its original 50-50 exposure. And this is despite the fact that that 50% equity slice is it varies in risk across time. And so, for instance, an a index fund in 2008 is very different from an index fund in, say, 2015. And what the discipline fund tries to do is actually quantify the underlying risks, and it rebalances a bit differently in a more countercyclical manner so that it tries to control the equity market risk a bit more. And so, for instance, we might rebalance back to 40-60 at a period like right now, where we quantify the equity markets to be riskier than they normally are. And what we're trying to achieve here is better behavioral control. We're trying to help investors stay the course, stay fully invested in a diversified stock bond portfolio, but perhaps protect them a bit better across time from the potential of a large equity market downturn. So tell us some of the holdings inside the fund and a little bit more about the rebalancing strategy. Yeah, so the Discipline Fund is a hugely diversified fund. It's 10,000 underlying uh, holdings that are diversified across global stocks in domestic high-quality bonds, specifically uh, investment-grade bonds and U.S. government bonds. And the fund will typically be about six to eight underlying low-cost ETFs. So hugely diversified. It's, it's wrapped in a single ETF, which makes it very systematically efficient and more importantly, very tax efficient in terms of the way it rebalances. And this specific strategy is based on an underlying macro uh, finance and economic algorithm that is trying to quantify the particularly the equity slices exposure to potential downside risk. And so we're trying to, to quantify essentially what the pro-cyclical risks are in the economy and the financial markets at times and help better insulate investors by rebalancing a bit more counter cyclically relative to a lot of these big trends across time that will helpfully help investors remain more disciplined, behave better and generate better returns than they otherwise would. 
That is great stuff for anyone. Um, but is this targeted more towards a more mature investor, someone that's about to retire, they want to take less risk, or could those who are still into risk in their younger years benefit from this as well? It depends. You know, it's really designed for anyone who suffers from behavioral biases, which is probably just about everybody. But it's particularly designed as a core holding in an indexing based portfolio that will hopefully allow investors to remain more disciplined across time, knowing that they have this core holding that, while it will never be the best performing part of their portfolio, it will in all likelihood also not be the worst performing piece. It will be there to provide stability and hopefully provide investors with the ability to better navigate the ups and downs of the markets by knowing that they have this bucket in their portfolio that is helping them to navigate the ups and downs of the markets by creating a bit more stability, helping them remain more disciplined and better manage their finances as they enter retirement or withdrawal periods or who knows, even while they're young and trying to you know, struggle through generating a higher income and just you know, trying to, to get used to the financial markets in general. And maybe sleep a little better at night, right? Of course. Yeah, <laughs> we could all use that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Colin Roche, thank you so much for stopping by today. It's good to see you. Thank you, Stephanie. The low yield blues still have a strong grip on many fixed income investors, but a pair of new actively managed ETFs targeting higher income aims to change that. Harbor Funds is shaking up the fixed income game. Spencer Logan, a director and investment specialist at Harbor Funds, is joining us now to share more about his firm's new funds. Hi, Spencer. Thanks for being with us. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you very much for having me today. Well, before we talk about Harbor's new ETFs, your firm has coined the phrase scientific fixed income investing. What is it and how does it work? It's a great question, Stephanie. And, and I think it's a good for us to take a step back and think about what it is that the fixed income world is right now as far as investing. And, and, and the landscape really says that historically, there have been two approaches to fixed income investing. There's been fully passive low-cost approach on one hand, which continues to grow in market share and has done very well uh, really over the last decade. And on the other hand, there's been the more discretionary or fundamental approach, uh, people-driven, if you will, humans, analysts, analyzing things in an attempt to really produce superior outcomes. We believe that there's space for a third approach in the middle, which will ultimately be filled by scientific investing. There are elements of the process which are quantitative, but taking this approach really means being objective, um, using technology and data to be really unemotional about making decisions and by navigating the market with a scientific approach. We very much hope to provide corollary benefits to both low cost in indexing or fully active approaches too. So for our clients building out their diversified portfolios with fixed income, that's highly attractive and a risk adjusted return and corollary benefits way. So to kind of square it up for you, scientific fixed income investing really stipulates that it's an investment process that's grounded in the scientific method. And that's subject to what we would see as continual refinement. What this really means is that the process engages in a systematic way of investing, where we gather information, we formulate a hypothesis, we experiment on that, draw a conclusion, and then you have a continual cycle of modification that leads to improvement. So while you inferred that we coined the phrase scientific investing, really it's just bringing a time-tested approach of the scientific method to the investing world, which I think we can all agree is much needed. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's dive in then. The Harbor Scientific Alpha Income ETF. Your ticker symbol on that is SIFI. You also call it SIFI. Uh, and the Harbor Scientific Alpha High Yield ETF, that ticker is S-I-H-Y, which is Sci-High. So I love that. Sci-Fi and Sci-High. These are your latest additions to your roster. Let's uh, break it down for us. Tell us more about these funds, um, what holdings are part of them. Absolutely. And, and yeah, we really wanted to make sure that we were distinct and purposeful uh, when we when we named these exchange traded funds. That way, investors would know that they are indeed differentiated. And, and importantly, Stephanie, both strategies are actively managed uh, and employ the scientific method that I just explained. The Harbor Scientific Alpha High Yield ETFs objective, really, it first seeks total return and importantly, in excess of its benchmark. But Applying the scientific method, it's all the while maintaining a risk profile that's consistent with the broader high yield markets. And if you're thinking about its investments and core investments, as you might imagine, mainly focus on investing in high yield corporate bonds uh, as being the primary core investment of the uh, of the fund. Switching over and taking a look at this Harbor Scientific Alpha Income ETF, it's a multi-sector fixed income ETF that really looks to see income and total return. But the nice thing is that differentiates this is that we really do this through a proprietary framework that focuses both on asset allocation and security selection. And the underlying investments are going to contain a mix of investment grade and high yield bonds. And the nice thing, of course, above and beyond is that there's also a tactical overlay that's applied to provide additional sources of returns for the fund. So uh, a really differentiated product in uh, what has been a world that has not had a lot of differentiation uh, over the decades. Yeah. And, and you know, I know you mentioned fixed income. Um, so by that logic, then one thinks, hey, maybe your target audience is a little bit older, those sliding into retirement. Um, is that your target investor or is this something for everyone? Stephanie, specifically, these ETF strategies have a really wide audience of investors that are going to find them very attractive. Both will be coveted by investors looking to diversify their sources of income while adding to those corollary and risk-adjusted uh, risk return benefits that I talked about earlier. So as for the ETFs as a vehicle, which I think, of course, as we learned, uh, active management and active ETFs are a massive growing portion of the market. You know, ETS, they have an special appeal really to financial advisors, directly to consumers, anyone that prefers a vehicle that's more cost effective, has greater transparency, and they can trade intraday if they so choose to. Clients where those attributes and appeals are finding attractive are buying those ETS today. So we have a very wide audience in which these particular strategies are going to be the right fit. All right. We'll leave it right there. Spencer Logan, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate the time, Stephanie. Thank you. Most investors have exposure to stocks and bonds, but they often miss exposure to alternative assets. And part of this could include industrial metals like aluminum or copper. Well, here now to discuss a new ETF that is linked to the industrial metals sector is Stan Kang, Director of Exchange Traded Funds at Aberdeen. Stan, it's so great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. All right, let's talk about ticker symbol BCIM from Aberdeen. This is a newly launched fund that tracks a basket of industrial metals. What is inside this basket's holdings and what is the thesis for investing in industrial metals? Sure, I'll start with the second part of that question first. Uh, what BCIM essentially provides is diversified exposure to the industrial metal space. 
which is becoming an increasingly important piece of the global economy. As you know, base metals are natural resources that need to be extracted from the earth, and uh, as such, they are inherently scarce. And although home building and infrastructure improvements because of the Senate bill and so forth, that seems to be what you're hearing about most of the time these days. Uh, we believe a major catalyst for these metals is really going to be the energy transition in the world's desire to reduce its carbon footprint. Uh, the need to both electrify uh, and expand battery technology across many different applications is really layering on demand for these already scarce metals. But speaking specifically to BCIM, the product currently contains exposure to four industrial metals through commodity futures. About a third of the fund is in copper, a third of the fund is in aluminum, and a third of the fund is split between nickel and zinc. And these weights are determined uh, quite simply by the, by the Bloomberg uh, company. And how you can think about it is that the fund takes somewhat of a market cap weighted approach. Except since these metals are commodities and they're not equities, the index is going to take into consideration uh, total production and liquidity data in lieu of market cap for each commodity. But what makes this benchmark somewhat different from others, and is also why many institutions prefer the Bloomberg methodology, is that the index puts weight caps on individual commodities so that not one single commodity can take over the majority of the index. These funds, too, you also have um, some interesting things that have to do with taxes. You know, taxes are very complex, but you guys simplify tax reporting by getting rid of K-1s. And this is a big deal for investors who may decide to hold BCIM inside a taxable investment account. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, it's certainly a big deal for commodities. And, and the reason is the vast majority of equity and fixed income products are in a 40-act fund structure, which will typically generate a 1099 for most end investors. Uh, for commodities, on the other hand, the best way to get pure play ex price exposure is going to be through one of two ways. You either have to hold the physical commodity, which is, is what some of these gold bullion funds do, or, or you have to hold commodity futures, uh, which is a contract to take delivery of the physical commodity. Up until about five or six years ago, neither form of commodity exposure could be held uh, in a 40-act form, which essentially required these types of investments to sit in other fund structures like grantor trusts or partnerships. Uh, the obvious downside to that, uh, to those types of structures is that the end investors would receive their prorated uh, distribution of gains and losses through a K-1 tax form, which can be kind of a headache to deal with at tax time and have pretty much become a non-starter for most retail money managers and clients. Uh, as regulations have evolved, we are now able to take advantage of new features that allow us to package BCIM into a 40-act structure. But surprisingly, the vast majority of commodity products that are available right now still use old structures, uh, if you will. So what this means for investors is that they can now get targeted industrial metals exposure through BCIM in a convenient product that looks and feels like any other investment they have in their portfolio. So then with all that being said, how do you see financial advisors using BCIM inside a diversified portfolio? Well, we think industrial metals can be used as an alternative in any diversified portfolio. Uh, industrial metals and commodities in general have historically shown a low correlation to other asset classes, so it could be additive as a strategic investment. But we really believe that BCIM is a great way to tactically play 
the continued economic recovery, uh, the inflation story, and most importantly, the energy transition. And to, to provide a, a few sort of fun facts, you know, electrification requires a much higher loading of a lot of metals, uh, including copper. And for example, an average electric vehicle needs about 183 pounds of copper uh, versus a traditional gas vehicle, which requires about 20 pounds. And as cities continue to migrate towards generating solar energy, a one gigawatt solar power installation uh, requires about five and a half tons of copper and the corresponding grid battery that they would need to store that electricity requires another, another four tons of, of, of copper. And speaking of solar, about 85% of solar components require aluminum. And many car manufacturers have also begun using aluminum uh, auto bodies to offset the increased weight from the larger batteries that are going into these electric vehicles. Uh, with regards to zinc, most know zinc as a galvanizing material, but it's also used in zinc air batteries, which are already being used in, in you know, many applications, like those kind of button-shaped batteries that you use in you know, your remote controllers and, and a lot of devices. But what many people don't realize is that zinc air batteries uh, are being heavily researched as grid storage and EV uh, batteries, you know, because uh, what happens is, is the Earth's supply of zinc is, is about 100 times greater than it is for lithium. And finally, nickel is a, obviously that's a metal that most people are pretty familiar with. You know, any battery that you buy at the store, you know, at your local grocery store, that's generally going to be a nickel cadmium battery. And then, you know, any number of uh, re rechargeable batteries around your house are probably going to be nickel metal hydride. So people are very familiar with that already. But in summary, all of these metals are foundational to the energy transition. And we think BCIM is a great way to get convenient, uh, low cost and tax efficient exposure to industrial metals. Absolutely. We'll leave it there. Stan Kang, thank you so much for joining us here on First Look ETF. Thanks, Stephanie. Good to see you. Well, that does it for this edition of First Look ETF. Before we go, we want to remind you to stay tuned every month for new episodes. As always, we keep you plugged into the latest launches and important trends in the ETF market. Don't miss it. You can also listen to us at iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and other major podcasting platforms. I want to give a big thanks to all of our guests today, including Douglas Jonas with the New York Stock Exchange for sharing the latest ETF launches and hottest trends in the ETF marketplace. The NYSE is the top U.S. exchange for trading and listing ETFs, so be sure to visit homeofetfs.com to learn more. I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a 
recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors.